Hey guys, it's Jackie, founder of All Mama Care and Mama to a Super Kid. When my son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at 21 months old, not only did I feel my world was ending, but I was alone and scared. I made it my job to get my hands on every resource possible to become educated about his diagnosis. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was determined to become empowered and do everything possible to help my baby and my family thrive. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of connecting with some wonderful organizations and meeting some of the most caring and authentic people. This podcast is dedicated to supporting parents and families while their child is going through cancer treatment and beyond. I share with you all the resources that have played a major factor during this time in my family's life, and I'm so glad you're here with me. And now, let's get this episode started. While we're really trying to advance these treatments and find an end to cancer, there are patients that need help before, during, and after their diagnosis and treatment. I'm so proud to work for LLS because we do just that. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Courtney Rinaldi, who is the Patient and Community Outreach Manager at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for the New England Chapter. LLS is the world's largest voluntary health organization dedicated to funding blood cancer research and provides education and patient services. As you know, my goal of this podcast is to help other families through their cancer journey and beyond. My family has been so fortunate to benefit from LLS in multiple ways, from financial assistance to connecting with other families so far. I felt honored to get the chance to speak with Courtney and talk about all the innovative research, massive scale funding, and most importantly, the ongoing medical and emotional support LLS provides families during any stage of their cancer treatment. My hope is that you gain some additional information about this wonderful organization and it in turn can assist your family too. Welcome back to the All Mama Care podcast. Tonight, I have a special guest. I have Courtney Rinaldi with us. She is the Patient and Community Outreach Manager for the New England Chapter of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And we are going to be talking tonight about the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and more so about how they're working to help families through the COVID crisis. So Courtney, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Thanks. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good. We are staying safe and staying home. How about you? Same. Yes, we are all working from home. Um, But one of the most important messages that we do want to send to our patients and our family members is that LLS, while we are working from home, we are here and we're open for business and we can we can help as much as we can um, always, but especially through this crisis, that's particularly difficult for for cancer patients and their loved ones. Thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing because cancer treatments don't stop just because there's a pandemic going on. And I know that firsthand, we have our next clinic visit coming up next Wednesday. And 
just being able to have resources like LLS and open communication really just kind of eases my anxiety and know like the research is still going on, the funding is still going on. And so I'm really excited to have you on and talk about uh, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, about some high level things that you guys are working on, as well as some fun social media that you're working on as well. Yeah, definitely. So just to give people a little bit of uh, background on the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So here at LLS, our mission is to cure leukemia, lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease and myeloma, and improve the quality of life of patients and their families. You know, we really break down our, our mission into three pillars. We have our research, um, where we're, we're obviously, you know, using a lot of the funds we raise to, to bring, you know, an end to, to our fight of cancer, cutting edge research and um, advancing uh, life-saving cures and treatments. We've put nearly $1.3 into research since our inception about 71 years ago. Wow, um, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, every year there, there are more FDA approvals that come out that we've had a hand in. Um, and it's just really exciting to see all the advancements that do come from our research. Um, and while that's, you know, foremost importance, there's also a lot of work that needs to be done in the back end too. So we also have a big policy and advocacy team where, you know, we have these wonderful treatments, but we're also making sure that our patients have access to these treatments and that they can afford these treatments. We have a lot of boots on the ground, um, both on the state level and the national level, um, federal level, to help ensure that these policies are in place to help protect our patients. And then lastly, the third pillar of our mission is what we call our patient access team. And so that's really where I come into play. While we're really trying to advance these treatments and find an end to cancer, there are patients that need help before, during, and after their diagnosis and treatment. I'm so proud to work for LLS because we do just that. So, you know, we, of course, we want to work for these, these cures, but until we get there, there are patients still today and yesterday and, and last month that need support now throughout their treatment in their cancer journey. So we really work to you know, provide patients and caregivers the support they need to get, it, get through treatment. So that's really what my role entails. As, as you mentioned, I'm the patient and community outreach manager for the local New England chapter. So what that really means is while most of our staff in the local chapter are out day in and day out fundraising and putting on events and raising that money, I'm the person here in New England that works to raise awareness about LLS programs and services that are free for our patients and their loved ones and making sure that they can get connected to them. So that's really what I want to talk a lot about today is what are these resources and how can they get connected to them. Off the bat, I just want to mention our Information Resource Center. So this is really at the heart of what we do here at LLS. They are about 17 master's level healthcare professionals that work at our Information Resource Center. They're called information specialists. They're master's level nurses and social workers who can really assist throughout the cancer journey from diagnosis through treatment and really even into survivorship. They can help give accurate, up-to-date disease and treatment information and support information related to financial challenges, social challenges, and really anything across the spectrum of the, the cancer journey. They can be reached Monday through Friday, and they're open nationally from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern time. So while most of them do sit in our home office, we do have them sprinkled throughout the country and they are um, available nationally. So not just for patients here in New England, but anyone around the country can call or um, talk to them through the live chat option on our website. 
Oh, wow. That's really nice to have that extra support. There's, I know there's so many organizations that are helping families and sometimes, you know, you have to go through your social worker first in order to be connected to someone, but it's nice to know that there's that 1-800 number that is also multilingual that people can call into and really, like you said, get connected with nurses, get connected with some more support um, in addition to their oncologist team. I know for me, I definitely need a lot of support. We're even now about a year into my son's treatment. And for me, I definitely thrive on just knowing that I have different contacts from different organizations in my back pocket when I need it. So uh, Courtney, thanks for just kind of giving us an overview of all the amazing things that you guys are working on. I'm really excited to talk a little bit more about some of the new COVID patient financial programs that are in place, the man, woman, boy, and girl of the year program, social media calendar. Can you share with us all those awesome things that are going on? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to kind of highlight something you you reminded me about was that we are uh, multilingual here at our information resource center. So we have a handful of staff that are fluid in Spanish. And then we also use the callers can request the services of a language interpreter and we can speak up to 170 languages with our interpretive services. So language is never a barrier. And we also are here always. So if you reach out to us at the start of your diagnosis and then in a month or a week or a year, something else happens or you have another question or you just want to feel more you know, support, you can call us back anytime. So it's not something where you connect once and, and that's kind of it. We're always here. We're always picking up the phone and we're always happy to help, um, even if it's just to kind of talk through something that we've already chatted about. So just to keep in mind that, um, you know, we're here whenever we can be of help to you. As you mentioned, we did roll out some, some new support resources based on the COVID-19 crisis we're currently dealing with. And one of those is a financial resource. So we always have uh, other financial assistance programs available which I can go into later if you're interested too. But most recently, about a week and a half ago on, on April 1st, we launched a new COVID-19 patient financial aid program. We're really excited because we know that, you know, these are uncertain times for everybody. And, you know, particularly there are unique concerns for blood cancer patients and their families during this pandemic um, because, you know, the support that they need is higher now more than ever. So we established the COVID-19 Patient Financial Aid Program to help eligible blood cancer patients who are experiencing financial hardship due to the pandemic who can receive a $250 grant from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That's amazing. I know that my family, we applied for it. And just to kind of backtrack too, you know, we got involved with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society very shortly after um, my son was diagnosed last year, and the way that we got into it was through our social worker, and I also had another friend that was involved in the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I would say within like two months of Ollie's diagnosis, you guys were so kind to send us a $100 gift card, and that just, that meant so much to us because I had to quit working. My husband obviously took FMLA and, you know, our whole life was just flipped upside down. And that really meant a lot to our family. That $100 really, really meant a lot. Um, so that's how we got involved with Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And I just want to thank you so much, Courtney, for doing the work that you're doing because I'm not sure how much you see patients or caregivers face to face, but 
I just want you to know that I really, really appreciate the work that you're doing. It really does make a huge difference with all the fundraising that you're doing. And like I said, we applied for the 250 grant as well. And I know that that is definitely helping us right now be okay with paying some bills and, and again, with me being out of work. So I just want to thank you so much for all your efforts uh, around that. Of course, you know, I feel so fortunate to do this job because I do know firsthand, um, you know, what a cancer diagnosis can do to a family. And, um, you know, while some people might be very, very comfortable day to day with their normal lives without a cancer diagnosis, those same people can be sort of turned upside down when they do have one. And so that's really why we established these financial assistance programs is because we know that you know, having a cancer diagnosis is stressful enough. We don't want our families to have to worry about, you know, how am I going to receive treatment? How am I going to pay for the treatment? How am I going to get to the treatment that I need? So, you know, we have these funds available. Like you mentioned, we have a $100 grant called Patient Aid that's available for all blood cancer patients as well. So both the Patient Aid $100 stipend and the COVID-19 Patient Financial Aid Program have no income eligibility. So, some of our programs do have a minimum household, um, in a minimum household income criteria that you have to meet in order to qualify. But these two programs do not. So, um, you know, it's it's a little bit more um, simplistic to apply for. Uh, you also, for the COVID nineteen, I want to clarify that you can have also already received financial assistance from LLS in another capacity and still apply for this and be approved. And you also do not need to have an actual COVID-19 diagnosis, either as a patient or any family member to apply, because it's really just um, in general, you know, for the family experiencing hardship due to the pandemic, we want to make sure that, you know, whether it's providing food for the family or help with rent or traveling to your treatment, um, that, that, you know, these funds are available to those who need it. Thank you for explaining that a little bit more in detail. For listeners, feel free to hop on the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and I believe it's under support resources. Is that yep. correct? Okay. Yep. So our website is lls.org, and there is a patient and caregivers tab that has support resources linked underneath it. There's a whole section on financial support where you'll find these two programs that I talked about in addition to a couple others. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, um, a phone number to call for the financial assistance team. And I can just read that out to you guys now. It's 877-557-2672. And they're open Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time. And we're also um, 24-7. You can apply online through our online portal if you would rather apply um, for those financial assistance programs online instead of having to call in on the, over the phone. Wonderful. So uh, when I publish this episode, I'll make sure to link, do the hyperlink um, to that directly in the show notes. And that way people can access awesome. it directly. Perfect. That's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about the man, woman, boy, and girl of the year program? Because I don't know that much about it. Um, One of my friends, her son was actually the boy of the year. And so that's how I heard about the program. But if you can expand a little bit more about it, I I think that that would be really helpful for listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, So the Man and Woman of the Year campaign is a really fun one. Basically what it entails, it's a fundraising competition among individuals in our local community 
who through, through their participation, they vie for being the honor and awarded them title man or woman of the year. So what happens during this 10-week fundraising campaign is that the man and woman who raise the most funds during those 10 weeks will be awarded that man and woman of the year. So we, you know, the candidates sign on and everyone kind of gets excited and um, we, they have a lot of one-on-one -on -one support with our fundraising teams and how they're going to raise this money and are they going to do social media? Are they going to have events? Um, are they going to, you know, bring, bring on the help of their loved ones, their friends, their, their organizations they work for and all of that. And a lot of these folks do have a mission connection to LLS, meaning that maybe themselves are, they're a survivor or a loved one is a survivor. If they've lost somebody, they have a connection. But um, we also really want to bring together families from across our community that are battling with blood cancer. So some candidates that do have a mission connection, but some do not. So we have these honored patients who we call the boy and girl of the year that really help to educate our candidates about the patient experience. So these families will help maybe come to a kickoff event or share their story on our social media. And it really just helps to motivate our men and women of the year candidates to see this is why we're fighting. This is why they're going out there and raising funds. This is why they set a goal of 50,000 or 100,000 because they want to help kids like the boy and girl of the year. Um, they see this strong little five-year-old who's going to chemo yeah. and they think if this kid can do that, then I can get out there and I can raise some money. So it's just a really, really moving um, campaign in general. And it's just really wonderful to have these, these honored heroes, these boy and girl of the year and their families to be a part of the experience with us. Yeah, before we hopped on the call, I was taking a look at some of the old footage from last year, and I just started tearing up right away. It's it's so moving, like you said, just for the community to come together and really support these kids as they're going through treatment. And definitely, I, I love to feel a sense of community. That gives me a lot of support to continue moving through my son's treatment. And I just hope one day that we're in the audience as well and, and able to be a part of such a wonderful um, night. So like you said, it is a 10-week online campaign where the man or the woman of the year is creating a team themselves. And then from there, uh, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about how do they build a team? How does it work? Yeah. So when somebody gets, we call it nominated to, be, to run, um, then they accept the nomination and they become a candidate. They bring on, um, they have the option of bringing on team members. So a lot of that is really their circle. So essentially, you know, if they have a spouse or a significant other, family, you know, children or they, their parents or their siblings, friends, coworkers, really anyone in their circle that they think can be a, a good team member to, to help them to raise this money. And um, the kind of exciting part about it all is that they don't know how much they've raised and they don't know how much other people have raised. So it's a blind fundraising competition. Oh. So it all culmin culminates to um, the grand finale, which is the last day of the 10 week fundraising campaign. And it's wow. a lovely gala. It's, you know, for here in our chapter, it's in Boston. And so we're still raising money during the finale. So there's an auction where people can bid on items and, you know, we have silent auction and live auction. And this is, you know, another reason why having the boy and girl of the year is so special because the event in the evening itself is moving enough 
just seeing all of these wonderful people in our community being so selfless and donating all this money. But we usually have, you know, if they're okay with it, the boy and girl of the year themselves, if they're a little older, but if they're pretty young, then their parents will go up and just share their story. And it's without a doubt, I'm even getting kind of chills now thinking about it, the most emotional part of the night. (laughs) And so they'll just share their story. And, you know, last year, I'm thinking about the boy of the year who was up there. And, you know, you just see this, this cute little boy who's, you know, who's bought and won and um, his parents up there who had gone through the struggle and are appreciative for everybody who supported them throughout it. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a moving, I think all of our events are moving, but this, the, the grand finale gala is just a really exciting thing to be a part of. And, you know, there's, there's small little touches that um, I think our staff are particularly awesome about, and that's um, finding ways to make them feel special. So like one of our past boy of the years was really loved, uh, wanted to be a firefighter. So he loved everything about the fire department and everything. And so we had that sounds um, like, a fire that department sounds like kind of come up in their, in their fire truck and had the firemen in their uniform and, um, you know, kind of hang out with them. And um, one of our other girl of the year, she really loved drawing and everything, arts and crafts. And so at a kickoff, we had a little table set up with arts and crafts supplies and all the kids kind of went around the table and, and drew letters for her and cards and she got to color with them. And so really, you know, we really want to get to know these honored heroes. We want to see what's special about them, what's important to them, and and do something that can kind of make them happy and and feel special throughout this campaign. So it's a really, I think, a cool experience. And you know, some kids are shy, or families don't really want to sort of be the face of of a, a you know blood cancer or whatnot. But you definitely see those kids who are sort of those you know um, firecrackers when they're in in the doctor's office getting treatment and. And those kind of kids would love this kind of a spotlight and, and sort of a way to share their story. So those are the, you know, the typical types of people who really start to, to start to gravitate towards being an honored hero and as a part of this campaign. Wow, that's, that's just exceptional, just hearing about it. And like I said, I hope one day that we're a part of that audience as well. My mom and dad actually joined a team for the man of the year this year. And they're fundraising currently right now. If they're, if we lived in a normal world, what would the gala be if we didn't <laughs> so, have the coronavirus? Yes, in a normal, in a, in a perfect world where the coronavirus hadn't happened yet, we planned the gala to be in mid-May. So typically the gala happens in mid-May. Um, so the kickoff is sometime in March um, for the 10 weeks to start. So still kind of figuring out this year, unfortunately. I was going to say, what so, are you guys planning? <laughs> so that's still in the works. We have expertise, as, as I mentioned. I don't do the uh, fundraising. Yeah. Um, but once we do have finalized decisions made, it's all always updated on our website and all of that. So people can always check our website to find that out. But, um, you know, whatever happens with this year, hopefully next year for, for these events, they'll be back to normal and yeah. we can, you know, look forward to keeping things as they've, you know, the routine and the process that we've been doing all along. Cause it's a really exciting, exciting event and a fun 10 weeks and they raise a lot of money and it, it all goes, you know, it goes to our, to our mission, um, both in the research and also the services that we provide our, our patients and loved ones. Oh, wow. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what you guys decide and we'll just kind of see what happens. And like you said, you know, next year, let's hope for the best that we're back to normal life and that we can enjoy the gala in person and really celebrate everybody that is putting all their efforts forward and really celebrating life and and moving through these really challenging times as a team. 
you also talked a little bit about um, your fun social media stay at home campaigns. Can we can we talk a little bit about that? Because I'm I'm really interested in learning more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, as I'm hoping a lot of people are, most people are doing right now, um, we are doing our part to stay at home and, you know, not even so much, you know, out of concern for ourselves necessarily, but we know that there are so many vulnerable populations, including our patients that, you know, it would be, you know, we don't want to see get sick. So LLS, we're doing our part, we're staying home. And so we had some fun, some fun ways to sort of highlight that. So we had, we had last week a hashtag LLS stays home. And then we all took a picture with um, a sign saying who we stayed home for. So for me and the work that I do, I'm day in and day out talking to patients. I also work really closely with all of our healthcare professionals. So our nurses and social workers who are still out on the front lines helping everybody um, that needs it the most. So my sign said, you know, I stay home for all of my patients and the healthcare professionals that take care of them. So some people have loved ones who are immunocompromised or who are healthcare professionals. So that was sort of our way of, of highlighting all of the, the wonderful reasons why we are staying home. And, you know, we're on week five. We just realized this morning on our team call, we're on week five of staying home. And so it has also been a while, but it also has been okay. So um, that was one of our fun, our fun hashtags. We're also doing this coming Friday. We're doing show LLS pride. So everyone's going to hopefully put on their LLS gear and, and take a picture and hashtag LLS pride and sort of get everyone excited about that. We also did a couch selfie where everyone sort of took a picture of themselves on the couch, sort of as proof, if you will, that they're, that they're staying home and doing their part. Holding um, each other accountable. Well, yes, holding each other accountable. And, you know, we're still here. Like I, I keep mentioning, you know, we're still here. So even though we're home, we're still here because, you know, you said it, you know, so perfect in the beginning of this conversation that even, even though we have this COVID crisis, cancer doesn't just go away. It doesn't go to sleep and come back when this is over. So it's, you know, it's very real for a lot of, of our patients and our, and our family members. So, you know, it's sort of our way to show that we're home on the couch, but we're still here fighting for a cure. Yeah. And I'll make sure to highlight on the social media, all mama care pages that it's LLS pride this coming Friday, which will be April 17th. Yes. So if people that are listening don't have anything that's LLS related, can they like make a t-shirt, make a hat? Yeah. So our color is red. Um, red is, is the LLS color. So put on a red t-shirt or, you know, put on a, a, something on a sign even, and we're, we're just doing hashtag LLS pride. You know, it, it, what's really fun is that if the account, if someone's account is public, we share it to our stories so everyone can kind of be featured on there. Um, and so fun. it's just a lot of fun to, to kind of be a part of our community. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm excited. Maybe we'll try to get a family picture if Ollie will stay still. There might be a truck in that picture. I'm just warning you. There that would might be, be a, couple, great. a couple of trucks might be in that picture, but we will try our, our best to get a good family picture and, and post it on social media. So awesome. All those sound awesome. Oh, I know we had talked a little bit offline um, about the children's initiative and we, once Courtney and I started talking about it, we were like, wait a minute, this has to be a whole nother episode. So, but Court, can you just kind of give us a quick high level overview about what it's about? And then next time when you come on the podcast, we can talk more in depth about it. Yeah, absolutely. 
So the Children's Initiative is a really exciting endeavor. We've, we've started, you know, our chief medical officer, Dr. Gwen Nichols, when she started, she really, she had some priority funding areas that she really wanted to focus on. And one of those areas was, was pediatrics. You know, since day one, we've known that that is a priority of hers. And we just need to do better in the cancer world with, with pediatric cancer and treatments, um, especially here at LLS, because 40% of pediatric cancers are blood cancers. Obviously, you know, the biggest bulk of that being acute leukemias. Um, and you know, even though a lot of blood cancer patients these days thankfully do survive, about 80% of childhood cancer survivors develop one or more chronic health conditions as a result of their treatment. So the treatments, you know, while we're, while we're doing a good job curing the cancer and keeping them alive longer, which is so important, we, they're left with chronic health conditions or, or long-term effects that just aren't okay. And we need to do better at that. Um, in the last 40 years, only four oncology drugs have been approved for first use in children. So a lot of the drugs being developed that children are using were actually developed for adults and then just given to children at smaller doses. But, you know, through all this research, we're learning that adults and children really aren't the same and they need their own, their own protocols. So LLS has launched a $100 million multi-year endeavor, which we're calling the Children's Initiative. And um, through this, we're, we're determined to really, you know, achieve these cures for childhood cancer. And the Children's Initiative is broken down into a few different um, legs of, of, this, um, of this initiative. So, you know, always first and foremost, there's our research. So we're expanding our, our investment in this leading um, research to find safer life-saving therapies for children, teens, and young adults with blood cancer. A big part of that is what's called um, our PEDAL trial. So PEDAL stands for Pediatric Acute Leukemia. And we put together this unprecedented collaboration to launch global precision medicine clinical trial so that we can fundamentally change how pediatric cancers are treated. So the pedal trial in of itself is a big topic. So like you mentioned, this might be a good one for us to really yeah. dive deeper into um, on another episode. But you know, obviously, again, the, the research, the clinical trials that we want to do are of first and foremost importance for the Children's Initiative. But again, as I mentioned earlier, while we're finding these cures and treatments, there's still patients today that need us. So we really are amping up our patient education and support to help children and families who need help coping with financial and emotional impacts of a cancer diagnosis through a lot of our free information, resources, and financial support. So just a great example of that is, you know, we've really began to further develop our caregiver resources because as I'm sure you know, as a caregiver and a mom, um, it's a hard role to play. So we're doing our best to really amp up our resources and support in that area so that, you know, parents and, and caregivers of our pediatric patients are supported and are provided, you know, information and support that, that can be helpful to them. And then also helping to drive policy and advocacy changes. So breaking down the barriers to care and accelerating the development of these new cancer treatments for our kids. So that's sort of in a nutshell, this Children's Initiative Endeavor and why it's so important to us here at LLS um, and really just, you know, hoping that through these the clinical trials that we can really collaborate to change the way that pediatric blood cancers are treated. Wow. I'm really excited to learn more about that because as the listeners know, I am such a data person. The more data, the better. It actually comforts me <laughs> because I want to learn as much as I can about the research. Like you talked about, Courtney, um, getting the cancer diagnosis, you kind of just 
put, well, I did and my husband did, we just put our full faith in the team. Um, but you have questions along the way and we've definitely asked our fair questions. Why, why this drug? Um, how come it's taken so long? How come, you know, there's just so many questions. How come it's been, you know, this many years and no new drug has been developed? Where is all this money going? It, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes it does feel like cancer is a business. And we have so much money that is being fundraised. And this is a mama bear in me coming out where it's just like, oh gosh, just heal it already just cure it. And I know that we have a lot of amazing, you know, resources um, and researchers that are trying their darndest, but this is why I'm just, I'm really, really excited, Courtney, to learn more about the Children's Initiative and really dive into it. So we will definitely put a pin in it for now, <laughs> but I'm just really excited to learn more about it because um, I think the more knowledge, the better. Now, if you're like my husband, the more knowledge is not the better because it's too overwhelming. But everyone is definitely different for sure. Everyone is different. Um, but I am the type of person, if I know more, I'll feel my anxiety will kind of go down and I'll be a little bit more educated about it. And, and not only that, but I'll kind of be able to share or um, send a friend over, hey, check this out or just ask more questions. Um, I think part of it too, and you guys do such a wonderful job at it, is really opening up the communication with the families and the caregivers and the patients and giving them a voice and um, giving them, you know, the spotlight and really recognizing that they're not a number. They are a very integral part of what we're trying to achieve. And I just, I'm so blessed that, you know, Courtney, you hopped on and you were able to talk about all the awesome stuff that you guys are doing because I think even now in this really rough phase and I cannot believe we're already in week five <laughs> but I think you know it's even more important just to hear about all the good things that are happening because for me especially I need good news there's a lot of bad news out there right now absolutely I think we all need that right Ugh. now yeah it's like a breath of fresh air and just to know, like you said, and what we said at the top of our call is that cancer doesn't stop just because there's a pandemic going on. Research doesn't stop just because COVID-19 is happening. So I just want to thank you again, Courtney, so much for your time and really just diving into all the awesome things that you're doing. I really, really Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The more I can talk about all this stuff, the better. The more patients that can hear about it, the better. Um, so that's, you know, I'm really, really happy and grateful that you invited me on today. And I hope that through this, we can connect more patients to all of our services. Oh, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Courtney, two last questions. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about tonight that you think would benefit listeners that you wanted to add on or just something that is interesting that you're currently working on right now? You know, I think that just making sure that I really highlight again, the information resource center. Again, it was the first thing we talked about, so it's not something missed, but it really is the heart of what we do here at LLS. And the folks on the other end of the phone are just the most wonderful, knowledgeable, compassionate individuals that, you know, I would encourage everyone, even if they don't think they need something right now, just to call and talk to them and just, you know, kind of share your story and see if there's something that maybe you didn't even know existed that we can help with. You know, even when I have questions, I call them myself or I send them a message and, and ask questions because 
I'm no medical expert myself here, even though I've been here at LLS for five years and my knowledge does grow, thankfully, here and there. But, um, you know, one treatment to the next or one diagnosis to the next, they are just so wonderful. The biggest thing is that you can feel how much they care and that they want to help you. So, you know, just that's my biggest thing about today is really making sure that you know that they're here, they're willing, they're, they're ready to talk and help you through this. And, you know, they're available, like I said, for from Monday through Friday, 9am to 9pm uh, Eastern time. And, you know, there'll be the link on the website. But briefly, just to, to throw that out there, it's 800-955-4572. And um, I encourage you to reach out to them. Well, I may just give them a call this week <laughs> because we're not leaving our house. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I thank you so much for highlighting that again. And I, I really, truly am looking forward to calling and, and just learning some more information. You just you just never know who is on the other end of that line and who may Absolutely. say, you know what, why don't you try this program or have you heard about this support? For me, the more support, the better, the more tools in my toolkit. And if we don't need them right now, that's fine. You may need them later. Right, exactly. And so the last question, and I try to ask everybody that comes on the podcast, what motivates you to do the work that you do at LLS? So, you know, again, I feel like I said this a few times, I'm almost a broken record, but I'm just, I feel so grateful to, to have this job I have and to work for the organization that I do. But it definitely wasn't where I saw my, my life trajectory going. I, I was going to school for psychology. I wanted to uh, be a therapist and get my PhD. And I found myself this summer between undergrad and grad school. Uh, my boyfriend at the time was diagnosed with sarcoma which is a soft tissue cancer and kind of was one of those people who just thought that cancer didn't happen to me um, or to my loved ones. And it really, it was really an eye-opening experience. My boyfriend at the time, his name is Rob. He went through six years of treatment and for the first two, I was still in school. And then for the next four, I really became his full-time caregiver and kind of got to see again firsthand what that caregiver role is like, um, especially somebody in my 20s. Um, who was definitely not, was definitely not, you know, kind of picturing my life to kind of go that way. But um, he was just so strong throughout all of it and inspiring and a fighter um, and really kind of gave me strength through it all myself and in a new way to look at life and be appreciative of everything that, you know, we have around us. So Rob, unfortunately, lost his battle six years ago on his 28th birthday. And, you know, really, after the experience we went through, not not really sure that the career path I had thought I wanted was right for me anymore. And so my sister actually um, came, came to me and, and kind of talked me through it and was saying, why don't you find you know, a career that you can be passionate about and, and have Rob's memory kind of help you through it and keep his memory alive through your career. And so I found Leukemia and Lymphoma Society about a year after he passed. And I truly think that I wouldn't be you know, who I am today without it. I wouldn't have healed the way I did if I wasn't here in this role. Um, So I'm just grateful that, you know, every day I get to help people through my experience and I get to tell my story and talk about Rob and how strong he was and, you know, just share my experience in the hopes of helping other people. So I'm just grateful that I get to be here to help these patients and family members going through this together and let them know that, you know, we're here and, you know, we really care and we want to help. And to be honest, a lot of the resources that LLS has, we didn't have going through our experience. And every time I hear of something that we have, I think to myself, I wish we had that. And I wish this was available to us back then. 
I think this would really have helped us. And it just makes me even more passionate to share all the resources that we have, because I think that they can make such an incredible impact on people's lives. Oh my gosh, Courtney, you have me tearing up over here. <laughs> well, please know that Rob is helping my family, certainly through you. And I, I'm trying not to cry over here, but that I just really appreciate the work that you're doing and to hear, you know, your story. Thank you for being so open about it. And um, Rob truly is working through your hands right now. And I know that, you know, the work that you're doing is definitely helping me and so many other families. So I just want to thank you so much for that. Thank you. All right. I'll collect myself. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for just advocating for everything we do and spread the word and all of that. It's really awesome. So thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. If something from this stuck with you, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook and tell me what you thought. Join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners across the globe. You can even send me a voicemail. Simply go to anchor.fm backslash allmamacaretime backslash message. Wherever you're listening to this, take a screenshot tag me and a couple friends. You never know, it might be exactly what someone needs to hear today. The light within me honors the light within you.